I am excited about this morning because we get to jump into this new vision series called Deep and Wide. If you're new with us, I just want to say welcome to you. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago, and I want to thank you for joining us, but you jumped in on the right Sunday because we're jumping in and we're walking through what it means to be a part of Renewal Church Chicago. What is our vision here? We're starting this new series called Deep and Wide, how a church grows both deep and it grows wide. And so I'm excited to get into this. At the beginning, I want to tell you, though, because if you're not a member here, you really chose the right Sunday to come in because over the next couple of weeks, if you're here, this is your membership right now. Right. All of y'all are probably mad at me because y'all filled out the form, right? So, so this is the expedited membership right here. So over the next couple of weeks, I want you to just think of this as your membership. So if you're wanting to join our church, you can. So after service next week or at the end of the sermon, I'm going to do an all call. Y'all ever been in the old black church before? Maybe none of y'all been there, but this is what we do at the end. If you want to join the church, you can come to the front and we're going to take you out and we're going to have you fill out the form there and you can join our church. So no more filling out forms. So if you said, I, I, I filled out this form and it took me forever to do it, I don't want to do that. I, or you've been here serving here for about a year and you haven't jumped in, this is your time to jump in, all right? I'm not going to call anybody out in here, okay? Y'all got to wake up. It's 9 o'clock. I get it. No. So over the next couple of weeks, as we walk through this vision series deep and wide, again, if you're interested in membership here and you want to become a part of what God is doing here at Renewal, you can do so over the next couple of weeks after service next week. So Again, we're going to jump in a series called Deep and Wide. I'm so excited to get into this. If you've got a Bible, won't you meet me in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2, we're going to be walking through verses 42 to 47. You've heard myself or Pastor Luke talk about these. These are some staple verses for us as a church. As we grow together and we think about what God may have us do, the book of Acts is awesome for church planting because that's exactly what they're doing. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Once you got it, if you're able, once you stand to your feet and say, got it, if you got it. I heard one got it, so I'm going to pause a little bit longer. There we go. All right. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You're now the reading of God's Word. The text reads... And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done throughout, through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Very words of God, amen? Amen. Today I want to preach on deep and wide. We're going to look at these passages, but we're also going to be journeying through the first couple chapters of Acts 2. Deep and wide. Deep and wide. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. You're Awesome, God. We thank you for being here in this place, even as we start two services. God, I thank you for a place where we can just worship your holy name and thank you for how good you've been to us and just think about how, what you're going to do in the future. God, I would just pray right now, one prayer for myself, that you would hide me behind the cross so that you may be lifted up in this place. Let your word go forth and fall afresh on your people. Let it be you speaking and not myself. In Christ's name, we all said together. Amen, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, over the summer, I, I had a lot of time, thanks to you all, allowing me to take a break and not preach much here, and Pastor Luke jumping in, and many others jumping in to preach. And, and during that time, I had a lot of time to just reflect. A lot of time to reflect and just thank God for all that He's done in and through this church. I mean, God has done a lot here, amen? He's done a lot. I mean, from this church starting with myself and my wife just praying in the living room, thinking about and saying, God, what would you have us do in the city of Chicago to now a couple hundred and kids running all around in groups all over the city to this diverse church in the city of Chicago, one of the most segregated places in America. Here we are, this vision, this big vision of planting a church, and now we're here in the city of Chicago by God's grace. He's done so much. He's done so much. I mean, believe it or not, there were days where I used to just sit in the front, Deb probably remembers this, and I'd just be staring at the door, like, who, who is coming in today? Who, who's going to come to our church? Who's going to walk through those doors? Who, who's going to be here with us? Or, or, or man, will, will another drape fall from the window in the middle of my preaching? Some of y'all remember that. I, I mean, will a band member not show up? Yeah, they didn't always sound as good as they did this morning. They did that. I mean, I, I got to tell you, church planning has been one of the most, uh, one of the most, the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It's been one of the most humbling journeys of my life. I've had to learn to trust God in ways that I, did, I, I didn't know I had to, or I thought I already was good at. You see, learning and, and to trust Him and, and living in this church planning world and doing the things that I'm doing, it, it, it was like, man, this is... This is the, it's just like the Christian walk. I mean, it, it's, I thought I had it, but here I am, I had to trust God, and, and now that I'm a church planning and we're here, part of this church plan, I realize that this isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon just like our Christian walk. And if you ever think about a marathon, which is one being ran today, marathons, as you're running the race, I mean, you're getting tired the whole way through, but there's people that are strategically placed throughout the race with cups of water, cups of Gatorade. They're there just to specifically cheer you on and say, keep going. Some of them will jump in the race and go with you. And I have to say to that end, thank you to all of you guys that have been with me in this race, running with me. My wife, is, boy, she's been a rock. She's been awesome the whole way. And most of all, God has continually kept me the whole way through, and I love you all, and I love what God is doing in and through our church, and I can't wait to see what's next, because here's the thing, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. We, we barely touched the iceberg. This is just the beginning of what God is doing. So I sat back and I, I thought about our church, and as we're growing, the question that kept arising in my mind was, how are we, or how do you want us to grow, God? And I started asking this question because as I looked around, and many of you probably are feeling this too, we're growing. I mean, we're growing, right? And, and it feels good. It feels really good. It feels good. Yeah, y'all know that song, right? Don't leave me hanging. It feels good, right? It feels good to be a part of something that's growing. God's doing something. This feels really good. But again, I started to ask myself the question, what's next? What's next and how would you have us grow? What would you have us do? And the words that continually came to my mind were deep and wide. Deep and wide. And I began to think about deep and wide and the imagery that popped in my mind was the ocean. The ocean. 
You've ever been to the ocean, you know that the ocean is very vast, it's huge, it's very deep, it's wide, it, it goes farther than the eye could see, it's deeper than you could ever imagine. And if you're like my little Isabel, she's like, no, 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 daddy, I'm not getting in that water, the sharks are going to eat me up. I said, no, they're not going to eat you up, I'll beat them up first, Izzy. And, but what she's trying to say is, daddy, there's a surface that looks very beautiful, but underneath it, there's some things in there that are unimaginable, they're unseen, they're huge, and they're bigger than me. They're bigger than me. Hear me, friends. The ocean is very deep. It's very deep. And there's things in there that we could ever imagine. And here's the thing, there's a surface. There's a surface, but once you get into the depths of the ocean, there's much more than you can ever imagine. It's deep. But see, on the other hand, it's deep, but it's also wide. It's wide, as a matter of fact, about 71% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. And about 96.5% of that is the ocean. It's the ocean. You may not have known that, that's true. So water touches about everything on this earth, and the crazy thing about that is us humans, 90% of our body weight is made up of water. So here's the thing, water or the ocean's influence is very wide, it's very wide. It's just about impacts everything we do, good or bad, as we've seen in the preceding weeks with the tsunamis and hurricanes all over the place. Water's very deep, it's very wide. See, the ocean, hear me, is the same. It's deep and it's wide. And family, don't miss this. As we enter in this season of growth and this new year, I want our church to be both deep and wide. I want us to grow deep and I want us to go wide. I want relationships in our church to not just be those superficial type of relationships where, where it's surface and then throughout the week we do our thing. So we come here on Sunday, hey, how you doing, girl? It's good. My week was this way. It was that way. But then throughout the week, you don't call anybody. You don't have those type of relationships. That's not what we want. We want those relationships where we dig into each other's life. We get into each other's life and we get to know one another. We dig into the Word of God. We get to know what He says about us and what's true about us. We want those type of relationships, the type of deep family where it's like the ocean where on the surface it may look one way or on Sunday it may look one way, but once you get into our lives, man, it's much deeper than you could ever imagine. But yet at the same time, I dream of a church that doesn't just do Sundays well, doesn't just do dinner tables well, or groups well, but a place where anybody can walk into this place and experience Jesus. A place where people understand what Jesus has called them to do and be, to glorify him with all of them to the point to where law offices change and, and businesses change and to every sector of society is changing because of what God is doing in and through renewal. That's the dream, to be a wide church. You, you see, just like the ocean, I want our church to not just touch you or me or those that are walking in the door, but to it gets to those places to where the people wouldn't ever step into this place are. You see, family, God is doing something here. He, he's doing a new thing here. He's doing a new thing at Renewal, and hear me, I don't believe this is all he has for us. I don't believe this is it. Again, this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And if you love your church and what God has done in and through you here 
at renewal, just imagine how many folks are outside of those doors that need exactly what you have. Just imagine that. And here's the thing, as I said a few weeks ago, in the ocean right here as we're talking about, its influences wide, just like Chicago, so hear me. If God can do a work in and through here, right here in Renewal Church of Chicago, in the city of Chicago, where Chicago's influence is wide, just like the ocean, if he can work here, family, he can work in a way that can ultimately touch the other ends of the earth because of Chicago's influence. He's doing a new thing here. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to be unpacking what it means to be a church that grows both deep and wide. And to do so, I want to look at the early church in the book of Acts. The reason being is, is if you've been here for any amount of time at Renewal Church of Chicago, you know we're not about reinventing the wheel. That's not what we want to do. We're not about reinventing the wheel or trying to make Jesus' name more famous than it already is. That's not what we're about. We, 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 we really want to look at the Word of God right here, not trying to make anything up or do anything new. But when you look at the Word of God, it's been the same since the beginning of time, and it's the same right now. So the same word that was relevant back there in the book of Acts family is the same word that's relevant to us today. So we're not trying to do anything new. We just want to preach the Word right here and do what it says to do. Now, what we do on Sunday mornings or what we do throughout the week may look a little different, but at the end of the day, it's still Jesus that saves. It's still only Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to look at the early church. I want to see how we can apply what they did to our lives. This week, we'll spend some time unpacking and looking at what it means to be a deep and wide church, and next week, we'll spend some time more practically looking at what that means for us, and how we live it out. Amen? All right, let's jump into the text. So as, as we look at the early church here in Acts chapter 2, in our passage, you see them both growing deep, and you see them growing wide. So hear me, this isn't just t- some slogan that we came up with. Like we say, oh man, deep and wide, that's, that's pretty cool, we should name it that. No, that's not it. When you look at the Bible, the early church is doing this. They're growing deep and wide. You see these folks in their passage devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to one another, and they're growing with one another. They're giving their money away. They're giving their possessions away to the point to where nobody has needs. Everybody's taken care of. They were invested in the church and one another. This passage comes right after Peter preached one of the most famous sermons of all time. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and after he preaches, the church goes from 120 people to over 3,000. 3,000 people saved after one sermon. So you see these people growing very deep, giving everything away, spending time with one another, but at the same time, they're going very wide. But let's not miss this. Don't miss this. In, in, in this. in this passage, they don't have a church building. They don't don't have a church building. So what does this mean? In order to grow as a church, you don't have to have a building to do church or to grow. Let me say that again. You don't have to have a building to do church or to grow. And I got to pause and take a little sidebar right here because this, we get hung up on buildings too much. It's got to have this to be sustainable. It's got to have this. And we get wrapped up in the buildings and we think it means sustainability. And here's the thing, most churches that have buildings are literally dying trying to cover the mortgage. They're not actually being the church anymore. They're not. 
they, they, they give the facade off of being the church because the building looks great, but once you get inside, they're so insulated in what they're trying to do inside the four walls that they're not actually becoming the church anymore. They're not doing what God has called them to be. Now hear me, I'm not saying that it's bad to have a church building. It's not what I'm saying. This doesn't mean renewal won't have a church building or I don't dream of having a church building. Yeah, one day I think we will and I I look forward to that day having a church building. I think God can do a lot in and through the building and what we can do there. But hear me, family, let's let's beware of getting so wrapped up in the space itself that we forget that the church is a people and not a building. That God has called us to be on move and, and to go out and be on mission for Him. And here's the bigger point. You look at this text, because they didn't have a building, everything they did had a wide reach. Everything they did had a wide reach. Don't miss this. There's no overhead. There's no mortgage. There's no rent. There's no contractor fees. There's none of that. Now, now again, this doesn't mean we should not have church buildings. Because we do see these folks in the upper room. We see them praying. We see them gathering with one another. They're meeting in places. This is them. We see them. And it doesn't mean that they didn't want to have a building. They just couldn't have a building. They couldn't have a building at the time. I mean, Jesus was just crucified. And these folks are following after him, which means that their lives are in danger too. But get this, it didn't stop them from going out to share the gospel. It only made them go harder and harder and encouraged them to run for Jesus and spread the word. Now these people are hiding. They're hiding, they're in and out of the light, they're they're running around, they're they're praising Jesus. And, And here's the thing, we don't deal with that type of persecution, do we? I mean, the type of persecution that these folks had to endure, and some of them being burned at stakes, being beheaded, thrown off of cliffs of lies, being isolated on islands by themselves, thrown in prison for the rest of their lives because of what they believed, beaten to death, some crucified, the list goes on and on and on, but they carried on boldly in their faith and kept spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But see, sometimes, I think we, we, we shrink back a bit. It's like, yeah, this is my faith, it's a little private, I, I don't know if I want to share with everybody for fear of what they might say or think about me. I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to keep it right here, so I don't know if I should share this, and I get that, that's tough. But get me, it's nothing compared to this type of persecution. And, and I want to challenge you because there may be some of us that really deal with that. That, that, that's where we are, that might be you. And I'm not telling you to, 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 to be some type of street preacher that stands on the corner, hey, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. You're going to burn in the fire. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am saying is that if you never tell somebody the truth or if you're always thinking about someone and the way that they feel, family, hear me, you will never give them what they need to hear. You will never give someone the truth because you're always trying to please them. And hear me, the truth sometimes hurts. It doesn't always feel good. And and Jesus doesn't call us to go out and say, please people. No, he says, go out, be my disciples, make other disciples, teaching them what I have taught you. That's what he calls us to do. That doesn't have to do with anything with pleasing somebody. Jesus also said that the world might hate you 
They might hate you because you love me, that you believe in me. In essence, living for Jesus in this world might be hard. But hear me, will always be the most fruitful outcome. Whether that's here on this earth or in heaven with him, it will always be the most fruitful thing. So the takeaway for us, friends, is to always be bold in what we believe and let God provide the increase. Amen? And this is exactly what we see with these folks in the early church in chapter 2. They're bold in their belief. And after Jesus ascends, they're out in the public space, about 120 of them according to chapter 1, and the Holy Spirit falls. It, it falls. After Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes down, and they start speaking in tongues. Now, now hear me. Got to pause here. Because this tongues that they're speaking, it's not some type of mystical thing. They're not just blabbering off, trying to make it sound good. They're not doing that. That's not what's happening right here. It's not some mystical thing. They're actually speaking languages. Now, I know this is a touchy subject, because I know you all come from different backgrounds, different beliefs, and different things of that nature, different denominations, and I'm not sure what you were taught, but hear me, one thing I do know that's true is that God is a God of order. He's a God of order which means that the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity, three and one, is also in order. And people just throwing out and speaking in different tongues and all these different things, and, and there's no interpretation. That's not in order. According to Corinthians 14, that's not order. So hear me, the gift of tongues, it is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. But they are languages that the people that are speaking might not know what they're actually saying, but they're able to be interpreted by them or somebody else. Hence what we see in the text. Tongues are not mystical. I'm going to say it again. They're not mystical. It's not some powerful thing that you just got to have. That's not what it is. It's an actual language, but watch what happens here in the text. All these people, all these people in the text, although they're diverse people, they're from all different parts of places, they're all in Galilee which means that they only spoke one language. Although they, they're common, their native language is something different, they only spoke one language. But when the Holy Spirit falls, all of them start speaking their native language, which they did not know. And so you keep on reading this, don't miss this. I, I want you to see this, family, because there's some onlookers in verse 5 of chapter 2 that look and they're seeing this. There's some devout men, devout Jews, so they know the language that these people are speaking, and they're like, there's no way. They're all from Galilee. They don't know those languages. There's no way. They must be drunk. They, they got to be drunk. And family, I, I don't want you to miss it because here's the point. You see how wide the scope of the church is, don't miss it, look, look, they're in a public place, and the folks that are watching them are like, man, that's different. I don't know what's going on, but that's different. I know what they're saying, they don't know it, and my man Peter steps in, he's like, look, look, they're not drunk. They ain't drunk, that's not what's going on. That's the Holy Spirit, let me tell you about it. They start asking questions, my man Peter gets to preaching. The church goes from 120 people saved to 3,000 people saved, which is where we are in our text right now. You see friends, what I'm trying to get at is that the early church grew both deep and they grew wide. They were deeply devoted to one another and Jesus growing together and lifting him up, but at the same time they grew wide because they didn't simply keep this truth to themselves. 
but intentionally lived it out and publicly shared it with other people, whether unintentionally or unintentionally. Here they they are, Jesus is using them for other people, and these people see, and they all get saved too. But the problem is that the church nowadays, sadly, it's not deep and wide. We, We don't grow deep and wide, but instead, we choose one way or the other. Because as churches grow, we, we usually say we're going to grow deep, we're going to grow together like this, or we're going we're gonna to have everything else and we're going to grow wide. That's whether intentionally or unintentionally. We choose one way or the other. Churches usually grow deep or wide. They grow deep by investing themselves in the Scriptures investing themselves in each other's lives. They, they get to know one another. They take care of one another. They tend to be more organic and less system-driven. These churches are great, but hear me, they have the tendency to go really deep with one another, but at the same time, they can become very hard for an outsider to walk into that same circle. I mean, it, it's kind of like being in middle school. Y'all remember being in middle school? Everybody here being in middle school, it's against the law not to go to middle school, right? You've been to middle school, right? Sixth to eighth grade, yeah, middle school. It's a treacherous place, right? Some of y'all just don't even want to remember middle school, right? In middle school, it's a hard place. People don't like middle school. I mean, but middle school is the place where cliques start to form. Y'all remember the clique? All of y'all are probably part of a clique in middle school, right? Cliques in middle school, that's where they start to form. You got the pretty girls in school who found out what makeup does to their face. You notice I said face, not lips and eyes, because that junk be all over looking like a clown. That's what happens in middle school. And the young guys who are jocks, they figured out they got some pecs, and they're like, yeah, girl, you better look at me. They, they, see, they see themselves, they look at themselves in the mirror. Then you got the nerds or the wallflowers, the guys that hang out by themselves. They're doing their books, and they're, they're doing their math. You got all of that happening. Everybody has a click that they're starting to gravitate to and get to know folks right here in middle school. They're starting to form. But here's the thing. These groups are never too huge. They're never huge and they don't have room to grow too large because it will mess up the dynamic. It'll mess up the dynamic and the distinction from other groups inside or other cliques in the school, but at the same time, it allows them to become really close and comfortable with one another. That's the cliques. And it feels good to belong to something, right? It's, it's comfortable. You like it. You know everyone. Things don't change much. They tend to stay the same. But at the same time, there's not much growth. There's not much growth. And here's the thing. When I look at the Bible, I do see them digging into each other's lives. I I see them getting it in and sharing everything, but at the same time, the church is growing wide. It's growing wide. See, what I'm trying to say is that Jesus did not intend, or he did intend for us to grow. He did intend for us to grow with one another and know each other, but that doesn't mean that we should limit the scope of what he can do by becoming so insulated and thinking about what happens inside these four walls or, or just having it my way. I mean, a church gets to this place where they're just talking about growing deep and with one another and getting to know one another because they're no longer about saving souls anymore. It's about doing, it's not about doing the work of the ministry anymore. But it's really about me now. It's about my personal growth, 
What I have, me being comfortable, my seat in church, the music being the way that I like it, the pastor knowing my name, him coming over my house, me eating at his house. It's no longer about Jesus, but it's about being a part of the clique. And sadly, friends, this is the majority of churches in the world that eventually die because they held too tight to their vision and not God's vision. Hear me, and some of you all might not like this, but if you want a church experience to be all about you and what you like and what you want, and you want it to be comfortable, I'm going to tell you the truth, renewal is probably not the place for you. Probably not the place for you. Jesus does not call us to be a people that want to have it our way like Burger King. It's not. Our lives as believers now saved are not solely about us, but they're about others. It's about sharing our life with other people. It's about building up other people. It's about going outside of these doors and sharing the Word of God. See, if I'm honest, I don't ever want to walk into Sunday morning and it be the Sunday of Pastor D. It's, it's the church of Pastor D. Every song is the way I want it. The music, the, the sermon, the person that's preaching is exactly who I wanted to preach. I don't want it to just be about me because here's the thing. If I do that, I limit the scope of what God can do because hear me, everybody doesn't like what I like. They don't. It's my preference, but they don't like what I like. Which is why some Sundays in here, you might hear us bust out the Hammond B3 organ sound on the keys or you might hear us sound like the Dixie Chicks on stage. It might happen, because it's not about what I like. It's not about what you like. It's about us growing the way God would have us grow. And see, this all begs the question, how did the early church fight against just growing deep and insulated, which begs the question, and it lets us look at family, the second way a church should grow, or a church tends to grow. If they don't grow deep, they grow wide. They grow wide. If churches don't grow deep, many times they seek to grow wide. These are the churches that commonly people call mega churches. Call them mega churches. Churches that are more systems driven than people driven. It's the opposite of the deep church. They, they have all the groups for every type of person that walks in the door. Everything is offered in the church and it's often run by all of the staff and, and it's not really much ownership on the member that's walking in the church. People can tend to hide out in the church. They don't really have to get involved. That's this type of church. But hear me family, there's some good things about these churches too. It's not all bad because the growth, it's very evident. I mean, people are getting saved. People are coming in those doors. It's very comfortable. People do get saved. The influences are, are vast, way more vast than the smaller church. More people are coming in because they, simple, they simply have more resources. Their scope is wider. You're just flat out able to do a whole bunch more. So don't feel me saying that the large church or the mega church is a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying because here's the thing. We might actually be there one day. We might. And here's the truth. You might not know this, but at 200 people, we're already larger than more than 80% of churches across the world. So we're already, in a lot of people's mind, a big church. And you look at this text, the church right here is already at 3,000 people. They're already wide. So there's nothing wrong with growing wide, it's just how you do it. See, because here's the real issue. With churches that just grow wide, the tendency is that they lose the intimacy of relationships and depth of the Bible. 
all of a sudden the sermons are more watered down and groups become hangouts instead of discipleship and life on life. See, what happens is that somewhere along the line, the church lost the idea of gospel multiplication and they started thinking, how can we add more people? How can we add more people? It became about addition instead of gospel multiplication. See, gospel multiplication, I believe, is in the Bible where Paul says, pour out your life to Timothy on faithful men. See, it, it's pouring out on these faithful men. So if I go out and I pour it out on two, those two go get two, now you got four, and they go get two, now you got eight. See, it's multiplication. Two times two is four. Come on, y'all, take you back to school. Four times two is eight. Eight times two is 16, and so on and so forth. Last time I checked, once you start adding that up, multiplication is more. It may take a little longer. It takes a little longer to do than addition two, doesn't it? But after a while, the multiplication starts to add up. That's gospel multiplication versus addition. And see what happens when you start to add is that people have lost this understanding of, I need to spend my time with other people and pour my life out on them. And now they're thinking, man, we got to get new lights in here. We got to get new worship going on. We got to have the signs outside. We got to have the website that's off the chain. We got to have the new logo. We got to have all these things because people are watching and looking at all of those things. And you might get a few new people and they might come in the door. They might stay for a little bit, but hear me, they're missing the deep part. They're not getting the deep part. There's no depth of relationship or discipleship. And don't hear me saying the church should not have the logo, shouldn't have good worship or lights, camera, and action. I mean, we got a lot of that stuff too. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they're simply what they are. They're not the church. They don't make the church, they can't get people into the church, but once folks get into the church, we have to do the work of intentionally engaging them and bringing them into the fold and getting them to be on mission like us. So thus, the church should be both attractional and missional at the same time. It's kind of like the new McDonald's movie, y'all seen that? The founder, Netflix, great movie. I'm gonna spoil it for you. McDonald's started Believe this or not, it started out as a, a great family restaurant. It was awesome. I mean, people would line up around the block to get one of these burgers. It was off the chain. I'm watching the movie like, I can't believe this, but people loved McDonald's. They, they loved it, and everybody in here wanted, if you were there, you would have wanted a McDonald's burger. See, McDonald's to you burger lovers in here was like the All Cheval or, or Kuma's Corner. See, if y'all don't know what that is, shame on you. Shame on you. You need to go get one ASAP. Some of y'all stomachs about to jump out your belly just when I said the name all Cheval. See, but McDonald's, when it was created, it was one thing. It, it was one thing, but once the vision became distorted from just this family-owned business where it was feeling really good, it was fairly deep, everybody knew each other, it was about relationship, and it turned into this mogul, much of the quality was lost. The customer service changed, and now the burgers they became mystery meat instead of beef. Yeah, I said it. I mean, what in the world is a McRib sandwich? That don't even sound right. What, what is that? Sorry if you like that. It just, that's just nasty. But, I mean, McRib? But, but nonetheless, the, 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 the company is thriving. It's blowing up. It's just not the way it started out. And you know why? Because somewhere along the line, the focus became, let's grow wide. Let's grow wide. And they forgot to grow deep. They didn't grow deep anymore. It wasn't any important anymore. You see, wide growth can be quick. 
It can look very good, but have no depth or sustainability. Lasting impact begins to be very hard. Hence, McDonald's, nobody's thinking, y'all, man, I can't wait to get me a McDonald's burger. Nobody thinks that anymore. And if you do, y'all, we need to do some counseling after service at Al Shabar. I'm just, I'm for real, you got to get to a real burger. Nobody thinks that way, but at one point in time, people did think about McDonald's like that. They were like, that's the burger, I gotta have McDonald's. They prided themselves on their burger. You see, family, here it is. In order to grow, as Jesus would have us grow as a church family, we must grow both deep and wide and not sacrifice one for the other. Now, I know this may spark fear or questions in your mind, like how, if you're growing wide, how do you keep growing deep? How do you not grow this way and, 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 and forget about this? Well, let's look at the passage. Because the early church didn't stop growing deep together. Look at the passage. Right here in this passage, they're already 3,000 plus. It means they're a wide church, so how do they stay deep? The answer is very simple. It's very simple. They stayed devoted to what kept them deep. They stayed devoted to what kept them deep. They stayed devoted to the vision. Verse 42, look at what it says. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Hear me, family. As we end the day, there's no rocket science to church growth. It's not. The early church devoted themselves to four things. Four things. The apostles' teaching or the preaching word of what you get here on a Sunday morning, the fellowship and the breaking of bread, which you can get here, whether it's in our barbecues or in the week at somebody's house in the midst of our groups. If you haven't signed up, sign up for a group. And then the last thing they devoted themselves to was prayer. Prayer. And family, we must do the same. And guess what? Look at verse 47 if you got your Bibles open. It says that God added to their number daily. No rocket science. They stayed devoted to what kept them deep. They committed themselves to growing deep without becoming exclusive, and they grew wide as a result. Family, as our church grows, we must not sway one way to grow or the other way whether that's deep or wide, but we must always manage the tension well. We, we must manage that tension well and, and grow both deep and wide. It, it's like the tension on a guitar string. Anybody that plays a guitar knows this. You, you don't want to tighten the guitar up too much because that string might pop. And you don't want to loosen it too much because the sound might sound horrible. But every now and then when you take that out of the case, you take that guitar out, you want to tune it just a bit. You want to tighten it up. You might want to loosen it a little bit. You're trying to manage the tension because you just want to get that right sound, right? You, you want to get it just right. And so it is the same with the church. As we grow deep and wide, we have to manage the tension well. We have to be careful not to let our personal preferences get in the way of what God is doing. I mean, see, as people, we tend to swing the pendulum way to the wide side or way to the deep side. We, 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 we want to go one way or the other. We want to solve the problem instead of manage this tension. And here's the thing, it's not about what we want. 
It's not about what you want. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And as we've seen in our text today, it's very evident in Scripture that God wants the church to grow both deep and wide. Because here's the thing, if it had just grown deep with the disciples and they just became this insulated, exclusive group of folks, there would be no Christianity today. There wouldn't be. And if it just grew wide where they just set up everything, people come, we got the brand new building, come on to our place, we would be preaching some watered-down Christianity today in this church. It's not sustainable. Because the church did grow deep and wide, and the disciples managed that tension well, we are here today growing and lives are still being changed. Folks are still coming to know Jesus. And family, I want us to continue to be a church that grows deep and wide. Touch your neighbor and say deep and wide. Go ahead, this is old black church. Touch your neighbor and say deep and wide. Go to the other side and say deep and wide. Say it like you mean it, deep and wide. There you go, there you go. Say it with your chest. Right. Let, let's manage the tension well. Let's manage that tension well of growing deep and wide. You see, when you feel yourself getting disgruntled about something you don't like in our church or something that happened, something that's uncomfortable to you, check your heart. Check your heart. And we all have to do that. Because here's the thing, we live in a world that tells you it's all about you. It's all about me. Do what feels right for you. Do what you want to do. And as a people, we're called to be a church in a place where it's not about us. It's about him. It's totally contrary to everything that we're taught. And I know we all come from different places, different experiences. We've all been in the small church. We may have been in the mega church, and you've heard different things, bad things about it. But hear me, as we grow, let's be the example. Let's be the example of the deep and wide church. Let's be that. You don't have to choose one way or the other. The church can be both, just like we see here with the early church. So when you feel yourself swaying one way or the other or disgruntled, let's read this scripture some more. Let's read through the book of Acts and see how God has designed his church. What does he want us really to be? Family, growing deep and wide is hard. It's hard. And I imagine the early church had some problems too. It may not be written but right here in this text, but it is in other texts. Getting mad at each other. I, I imagine there were things that they didn't like, but they stayed together. They stayed together. They had one mind. They kept one another accountable, and they didn't make the church about themselves. So let me ask you, are you with me? Yeah. You with me? Let's continue to grow this church. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like practically for us to be a church that grows deep and wide and how we all need to be a part of that and need to jump in to contribute. Let's pray.